Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. Hello and welcome everyone to the Stick Mobility Movement Made Better podcast. Uh, today, our guest is Mike DeMora, the founder and CEO of NCEP, or better known as the National College of Exercise Professionals. So Mike, go ahead and give listeners a little bit of a background on yourself, if you could. Well, well, thank you. Thank you very much. And thanks for asking me to be here. It's a, it's a great honor, great pleasure. Basically, my background was uh, always involved in sports, played football through college. And basically, when I got to college, realized that I just didn't quite have it to uh, go to the next level. <laughs> so I uh, figured I got to do something else. Came to California, tried to make a whole new wave got hooked up with some things. I became a professional kickboxer of all things and was actually really, really uh, on a trajectory, a good path, going to be in movies, doing the whole nine yards. And I was injured by a trainer. So my whole thing was I wasn't able to do the full splits. And this trainer came up to me, big Hollywood name trainer. He came up to me and it's like, oh, I could help you do that. And he told me to lay down, told me, oh, I can fix you. And I was there and he jumped on my knees and literally tore my iliofemoral ligament and damaged beyond control. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah. So my background was in health and fitness and my background. So I said, wow, you know, I shouldn't have let that happen first, but I really didn't think he was going to do what he did. <laughs> and I vowed from that on, I was not going to allow that to happen to anyone else couple steps here and there. We started, we founded NCP after working with sports club company. And our goal is movement. And our goal is making common sense and getting people moving and how important movement is and how important we need to have that in our lives. And so that's kind of the long and short of it. That was 24 odd years ago. Very nice. What, so what are the steps and procedures that you do to create your own organization? <laughs> Interesting. I was blessed. So I was the director for sports club company and I was training all the new trainers that were coming in. And so what happened was these trainers would come in or these people that wanted to be trainers were coming in and they didn't have quote unquote a certification. So we weren't allowed to hire them by our company standards. So then we'd send them to a certification. They would spend two, three, six months getting certified, come back. And <laughs> once we hired them, they were Put in a two-week course through myself and I was in charge of training every new trainer company-wide and basically the first thing I would tell them is forget everything you just learned <laughs> we're going to teach you on the way we want you to do things and so it started getting bizarre that we were telling people to go get a cert they'd come back with a cert and we'd say by the way what everything you learned garbage nothing nothing useful now we're going to retrain you so I went to the owners of the sports club company. And I said, why don't we have our own certification? Why don't we teach them the way we want to right from the beginning and they don't have to break bad habits. We actually start over. And they said, you know what? That's a great idea. We partnered together and we created the sports club company personal training certification. And so it was wonderful. You know, anybody who came and wanted to get a job with sports club, for those of you who don't know sports club, it was sports club LA. And then they branched out and went to Miami and Chicago to like all these big cities. We probably had, I think, 20 some odd clubs with us. And then also the Spectrum Clubs were part of Sports Club. Anyway, so I was training everybody, onboarding everyone. Then we started our own cert. And we didn't get too far down the path before Sports Club started to get it into some financial issues. And they started selling off. And I decided that that was a better 
opportunity to go and do it independently. And once again, I was blessed because they had done all the paperwork. They had done all the certifications. They had done all the, you know, getting approved. So when I contacted those individuals and said, hey, I wanted to break off into my own, they said, no problem. You were the one that got, they certified you as the instructor. You are the one with the background. You're the ones with whatever, blah, blah. You could call it whatever you want. So NCP was born 24 and a half years ago. Wow. It's the long and, and short of it. So, yeah. And, and it's a pretty, uh, it's a ex- very extensive program. I mean, we. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, yeah, we, we did the, yeah, we did a year long program with Mike. Um, right. That was the exercise therapist, uh, board certified exercise therapist course, correct? You, correct. You, you still, do you still run that? We do and we don't. We just broke it up into individual courses and then we kind of just teach the individual courses. We haven't had the uh, onboarding that we would prefer and like to have. You know, you guys were coming up from coming down from San Jose once a month, right? Mm-hmm. To go through that yep. program. We just haven't had people like with your dedication and your want to do that. So it is something we'd love to see happen in the future. But right now we're pretty much on a hold where they do it independently. So it's not the full course. We also had a lot of challenges not to go off on an odd subject, but exercise therapy in general has had a real big challenge because as an exercise therapist, we weren't allowed to bill insurance, but yet at the same time, we also looked at the human body a little differently. You know, we looked at it as kinetic chain issues. So Mm -hmm. everyone asks, what is exercise therapy? And exercise therapy is, physical therapy is basically if you have blunt force trauma, you know, you fall off a bicycle, land on your arm, you say, oh, it's because I fell off and, and you get physical therapy. Exercise therapy, as you well know, is more about, wow, my arm hurts, but I have no idea. I didn't fall on it. Nobody punched me. I didn't get hit by a baseball bat. I, it's just what's going on in my body. And then we look at the full kinetic chain. And even though we think that that's so important, and once again, we're all about movement, for whatever reason, it just hasn't been accepted in, in general public right now. So maybe you guys can help <laughs> revitalize it. Bring it back. Well, that was one of the things is what, what separates NCP from, from the other governing bodies like ACE and NASM and everything else that you're seeing out there. If you had to define that, you know, whether it's an ideology or philosophy, what separates you? Our little tagline is, you know, we take a holistic approach to functional training. So both of those approaches are already different than what the whole mainstay is, right? Our whole belief is if you aren't going to do it in real life, you don't need to do it in the gym. Our whole thing is don't get stronger in the gym, get stronger at real life. Our entire philosophy, as you know, is based upon people getting better for real life. Another thing that kind of gets people's eyebrows poked is we don't believe fitness is a journey. We believe fitness is a, is a destination. And so what we mean by that is we set up what we think are what every human being should be able to do, so to speak what every person from this age group and this ability should be able to do. And once you're able to do those, go live your life. You know, we'd rather you outside the gym than inside the gym. We'd rather you experiencing rather than in a gym. And some people get such tunnel vision. We either get the people that work out a little bit and they dump it. I'm never doing that again. Or they get so hooked on the gym. They spend two, three hours a day in the gym and it completely, you know, encompasses their life. 
that's not what we're about. We're about enjoying your life, about what you do in a gym should be nothing more than than enhancing your ability to, to be in life. Once again, it's a destination. When you're there, go for it. You know, when you're able to, to walk a mile in seven minutes or when you're able to do this or that, you're there. You don't need to keep working on it. I mean, keep your function available, but you don't need to focus and keep. It's not about getting better and better and better and better. It's not about that. The difference between running a seven-minute mile and running a four-minute mile is nothing unless you're going to compete in running a mile. It doesn't make any health sense <laughs> at all, right? If you're mm-hmm. not doing it for a living, why do you want to focus on it? Why do you want to do it? So just check. Good. I'm functional. <laughs> I'm, I'm, my heart's in great shape. This is great. Now now use it. Go and experience life. I don't know. Does that help? That, that's kind of where we're, we're at. That's what makes us different. You know, we, nice. we don't, we don't want that person who's, I can't do anything without my trainer. And, and we don't want that, the trainer who's like, okay, well, you pushed 150 pounds. Now you need to what? Push 160. Now you need to what? Push 170. Well, there's no end to it. What is okay? What, what is the number that's right? What is the, they don't have that. It's just that continuation. It's that, that Sisyphus walking up, you know, pushing the, pushing the stone. The stone you never up. get there. Mm-hmm. Well, in our, our version, you do get there. It's all about results. Are you fit or are you not? Is it yes? Is it no? It's not, well, kind of, or I could be. Well, <laughs> I am a little bit, but I, what is that crap? You know, it, it just, that's so you can keep signing up for no, more sessions. That's not our belief. Our belief is get them going, get them moving, get them functional, get them with a holistic approach about what their whole life should be. Mm-hmm. Have a good day, right? Very nice. Thank you. <laughs> Well, I think a lot of the stuff that you taught us, you know, this was what, 10 years ago? It's been a while. Yeah, it's yeah, been at least 10 years 10 ago. Years ago. Yeah, it's been yeah. a while. And I know yeah. we've carried it over to the stick mobility program and then just into our own life. Like, the, so a lot of the nutrition stuff you, you taught us, it's simple, but it's really effective. Right. And I mean, even nutrition, not to, not to stop you from talking, but even the nutrition part, it's, we're not telling you to weigh your food. We're not telling you to count every calorie. We're not even telling you to count macros. Oh, you only have to have this. And no, it's about, hey, on a scale, is this a better choice or a worse choice? You know, how do you feel afterward? How is it working with you? Does it, does it make you feel better? Does it make you feel worse? Let's try to create a program. Know where your food came from. Most of us eat a fast food diet and not even know it. We don't even know we're eating a fast food diet. Oh, but I, you know, I go to the grocery store. Yeah, but you're eating fast food crap. You're eating manufactured processed crap. So that's our whole philosophy. Once again, it's not the journey. It's a destination. Our, can you drive past McDonald's and go, I'm not going to eat that. Then you're, you're, you've arrived, right? <laughs> people, already, people already know what's healthy. What's better, an organic apple mm-hmm. or a McDonald's French fry? Everyone right. knows an organic French fry. It's about getting up here getting into their mind that they want to choose the organic apple. Once they do, you're done. That's the goal. You're healthy, right? (laughs) That's the whole idea. Yeah. Making smarter decisions. Right. Making better decisions. Right. Well, I think what's interesting is, so the pro, when we were coming to see you, I mean, that's 10 months, 16 hours a month. That's 160 hours that we spent with you learning from you as a mentor and an educator, that's quite an extensive amount of time. But in comparison to other industri- industries right. that are body direct, it's nothing. Right. 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 
I mean, if I'm a hair, if I want to be a hair stylist yeah. in the state of California, I need 1,500 100. hours. Yep. 1,500 yep. hours before and, I can cut somebody's hair. And take a board certified exam. Right. And take a board certified exam. It's pretty crazy. It, it's insane. And then when I'm asking 160 hours from you over a year and we can't get people that want to do it because you know, they get the weekend gig and then they, it's funny. I tell people, most trainers, even if they've been in the business five years, what they've done is they learned what they needed to learn in the first six weeks. And they just repeated that for the last five years. Mm-hmm. It's not like they grow and become uh, more involved and get more involved. It's like, yeah, just same old thing over and over and over again. So it's kind of a, an interesting concept where you guys, you guys were I mean, heavy. I knew you'd be successful. I mean, I told everyone, these guys from San Jose are amazing. They drive down, you know, a weekend every time. You guys jumped in the car and you're like, who knows where you stayed that night and whatever else. And just the dedication that you had, I knew you were going to be just as amazing as you are. And once again, it was fantastic. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I think what's interesting is, do you think it will ever get to the point where there is a unifying course that is recognized and has to be passed just like a bar exam, just like a medical exam? You know, it's a great question. I was actually asked to be part of, there was a state bill being introduced and I will never forget it. It is crystal clear. One of my clients happened to be in state government or what have you and said, you know, we'd love for you to come down and we're going to ask X number of folks. And so we went into this room and there were probably a hundred folks there. And it was a mixture between trainers and quote unquote, regular people or clients. Right. And so we started going over what would the state bill look like? What would we need to incorporate? What would there be to make it unified? And here's, what's really interesting at the end result, nobody wanted it. And what I mean, yeah, nobody wanted it. So here's what I'm saying is the trainer was like, wait a minute, I've been training 10 years. You're going to make me go back and take a test to show you what I know. That's ridiculous. Right? So the trainer didn't want it. Then they asked the client and the client's like, well, if my trainer isn't allowed to train me, that's ridiculous. You mean this, you know, my trainer, who's so amazing. Remember in the Valley of the blind, the one eyed man is King. So they don't have a, right? they, they don't have a, a full perspective, uh, right? If they've only worked with one my finger, wall. Me? that's, that's going to go, that statement's going to go on my wall. Absolutely. <laughs> right? So if they don't have a perspective, if that's the only trainer they have, they think that trainer's awesome. Mm-hmm. They have no other perspective. So for them to think, oh my gosh, I'm not going to have my trainer because he doesn't have this, this state approval. They didn't want it. Then you're looking at the gym owners, right? The gym Mm -hmm. owners are like, wait a minute. If they get banded together, what's going to happen? They're going to ask for more money. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now they're more qualified, so to speak. Now they're certified, qualified. They're state. They have a state license. They're going to ask for more money. Oh, the owners don't want it, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you've got groups like Ursa who fight in every single state that tries to introduce a bill because their constituents don't want it. They fight that bill. They don't want that bill to pass. You know, you tell me. I would be completely up for it as long as it was a quote-unquote generic test. As long as they, they, meaning the state government, didn't choose one of the certifications and say that's going to be the test. I think that would be wrong. 
it'd basically be like a CPA exam where you have all these different organizations that have you know, study materials and courses, but you just take one CPA exam. I would be so for that. It would make sense. It would unify us as, as a skill, as a profession. It would unify us. That would make sense. Because I think what's interesting is, is if I need $1,500 to cut somebody's hair and if I screw up, that person's hair is going to look crappy. You can wear, you're going to wear a hat for four to six weeks, maybe a little bit longer. Right. But if, if, but if I jack you up, like the person did to you, that's months to years Lifetime, lifetime of, of trying to come back from that. I, I, I lost my professional career as a kickboxer. I, I couldn't bounce back, especially at the time. This is 20 some years ago. The, the surgery was so invasive. And they said the idea that I'd be able to bounce back from that and literally be, go back into fighting. And once again, I'm, I'm not that I'm kind of adverse to the whole cutting me open and doing the whole mm-hmm. surgery thing. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying don't for others. But for me, the whole idea just freaked me out. And yes, for someone like that to walk around and saying, hey, I'm a trainer, to do that to me, yeah, it was crazy. Insane. It's negligent. <laughs> that's a good word. Yeah, I mean, that's just, it's just, it's all, I mean, it's as simple as that. You can't really beat around the bush. And the problem yeah. is, is there's a lot of us in this industry that can kind of, you fall under that umbrella, so to speak. And we see it on a you know regular basis when we go into a box gym or we see stuff online and you got to kind of wonder, is this something that should be used right now? Or is this something that's going to be beneficial? Once again, I'm not trying to point out people or what have you, but I mean, even if you look at some of these shows on TV and they have this trainer screaming and yelling and they're, they're puking and they're, you know, and they're like, yeah, you know, we're going to get, what is that about? Right. Mm. And who are, how are they held accountable and how are they, it is, it's scary. And, and the general public doesn't know that. I mean, if you look out, I don't think the general public knows what a trainer has to, or can't have to be a trainer. Right. I don't think Mm. they're, you know, and I think alphabet soup for trainers, we might know what one organization stands for versus the other, but I don't think the general layperson knows any different. I mean, have you ever, have you ever been asked what certification you have before you train someone? No. In fact, when I train someone, no one knows that I own a certification, that I run a certification, that I founded a certification. Yeah. So I'm going to say no. No, people don't. Well, because we've worked in facilities where we know the trainers that have actually at these facilities have never gone under any education. Yeah. And they're getting paid. They look look the part. They look legally in most states. You don't need to be certified, right? In almost all 49 states, you don't need a certification. Pretty much as long as you have your business license and your insurance. Correct. Then you're good to go. You just want to one day say, I'm a trainer. I'm a trainer. And really that hinders, that's a really detrimental thing to people that want to do this as a career. Correct. In my opinion, it is. But if you look at some of the most famous trainers in history, they don't have any background. Richard Simmons had a degree in accounting and, you know, he was crying in his room because he felt bad about himself because they called him fatty. He heard a song and it inspired him and he got up and started moving and dancing and whatever else. And then when he got done, he was breathing heavy and he's like, Wow, that was a great workout. And he heard the next song and he started. Next thing you know, he started a generation of people just moving and stepping and whatever. Not certified, not degreed, nothing. Mm-hmm. But he changed millions of people's lives. Yeah. You know, I, I look at that and I, you know, for everything you look and you go, uh, there's a 
he changed millions of people's mm-hmm. lives. He cared. You mm-hmm. know, our number one statement, our number one statement is nobody cares what you know until they know that you care. And that that that's what we live by. We care. We care. We care deeply. You know, that whole idea about the exam, you know, you go back and forth with it. Because let's face it, the idea is to get people moving. The idea is to get people motivated and kind of in the same way with the nutrition. We already intuitively know that an organic apple is better for us than a McDonald's French fry. But how many people stand in line to go get the organic apple? No, no, not happening. No, yeah, no. But at any time, lunchtime, any McDonald's, you see a huge line. So it's more about the motivation. It's more about getting into this and getting them to think differently. You shouldn't mm-hmm. have to be taught that you should move. You shouldn't Very be taught, true. oh, by the way, it's better to move than not. It's be, you know, it's detrimental. What are they saying? That that non-exercise is the new cigarettes? Mm-hmm. They say that if you don't move in a day, it's as bad as smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. It could even be worse. So how do you get into their mindset? And do you really want a trainer to have to go through months and months and months or years and years and years of training before he or she could truly help someone? Mm-hmm. Right? And that's, so for every, for every certification or for every educational standard I want to have, I also look back and say, I used to manage, what, 400, 500 trainers in the company. And some of our best, most positive trainers weren't necessarily our, our scholars, mm-hmm. right? They weren't necessarily the ones who have four degrees or a higher degree in such and such. And so to ever think that they were, wouldn't be able to train someone and change those people's lives because they couldn't pass an exam or they couldn't do this, I don't know. It's, it's pretty, that, that, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I go back and forth with it because I think the human touch and the, the the difference of how you care for someone and and to truly truly want that person. If you just know, if you know enough that you don't know it, that you can refer out. That's the number one thing I think a trainer needs to know. I think when it goes down that rabbit hole, and the individual has X, Y, and Z wrong with them, the most important thing is a trainer needs to know. Whoa. That is not my scope of practice. Mm-hmm. I need to refer out to somebody who does that. That's what I think is most important about the education. So it's the ability to take your ego. Absolutely. Com- suppress it to the point where you're like, look, this is not my thing. Not my thing. And, and really the client, when you have the ability to do that, the client understands that you give a shit. That's my opinion. That's what we try to teach is, is, mm-hmm. as you well know. That's, that's our opinion. Yes. Our opinion is our standard course, don't get me wrong, we teach some science, we teach some this, some this, some this, but let's face it, our course is about the understanding of the bigger picture, which is the mental aspect, the mindset aspect, the how how can you get people to adhere? You know, the old saying is, you know, one person will tell you, do this, you don't listen to them. Next person, no, you don't listen to them. No, 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 no. It takes the 10th person to say it for you to go, oh, why didn't I do that? It's kind of the same idea with training. It's the idea, it's about who's going to motivate you to do what it is that you pretty much internally know you should be doing anyway. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think as a trainer, that's what I think. That's why I don't even like the word trainer. I like the word coach. Mm -hmm. I like the word coach. Well, we, we differentiate trainer from coach as, be, as, as a trainer and someone that just implements a system and a program. 
okay, you just give them the number, you just give them the drills, give them the digits, give them the time, whatever, and they implement that. But if anything deviates from that, they don't understand how to change it and they don't under they don't have the ability to adapt to any type of deviation from that. Interesting. And that's what you call a trainer versus a coach. A coach. Because a coach has to have is using wisdom and detective skills, deduction, Correct. and critical thinking. Critical thinking. Critical thinking to be able to say, look, this is what I know, but it's not fitting this need right now. So what needs to change? Or what do I have to implement that's different? Interesting. Right? Interesting. I like that. I like that variation. I like that, that uh, delineation between trainer and coach. I mean, I, me personally, I, I, I learned that right away pretty quickly because I would spend, I mean, 20 years ago, I would sit there and go, okay, tomorrow's clients are this. This is their history, blah, blah, blah. Okay, these are the drills. And then they would come in the next day and be like, how are you feeling today? Oh, this and this happened. And I'd be like, okay, well, got to eliminate that. Got to eliminate that. Got to eliminate that. <laughs> it was only yeah. literally like six weeks before I went, well, holy shit, am I wasting my time at night? You know, because <laughs> I've sat here for an hour and a half, figured out right. all this programming. And right. literally I took the clipboard and went, well, the hell with that. I could see you, know? you doing that. Yeah. I was just like, well, shit. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm, that's kind of it's and for me to continue to do that would have been crazy. Agreed. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you turn to the coaching model. Well, you, you gotta be able to, and that's where I think you, you learn that when, when somebody comes in, you, you say how you ask the questions, how are you feeling today? How's things going? How things been, you know, uh, and that way you take that information, you use that information to process and figure out, okay, what's on tap for today. Because you know that person's history, right? Or as much as you can yes. in, the, in the amount of time you've been together. And of course, the, more, the longer you've been together, the more you know about that person's history. Things come out over a period of time, right? Yes. You know, that client tells you something 10 months down the road that you're like, uh, that would have been crucial 10 months ago <laughs> when I asked you like blah, blah, blah. But right. now it finally comes out. Absolutely. And so now as you file this information away, it, it's special to that person only. Then you know that what he or she needs, and then based off of daily events or situations, then you tweak the workouts as you see fit. You Couldn't know? agree with you more. Which is some of my challenges when when there isn't the contact. It's some of my challenges when you know the new the new training about being so far away from the individual that you're training is some of the nuances that you're not going to be able to pick up because they're not right next to you. They're not, if, if the person isn't very forthcoming in how they feel and forthcoming in, in what happened to them yesterday or forthcoming in what's going on, it makes it that much more challenging being a thousand miles away saying, oh yeah, watch your, you know, that much more challenging. One of the challenge, one of the biggest things we've got going on now, right? Isn't that one of your, one of your biggest hurdles is trying to determine how you can work with someone when you're not in the room with them? Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. Cause you can't touch them. You can't put them in the right yeah. position. You've got to, right. I guess the one good thing that comes out of it is your coaching. You have to be a better coach, you know, without being able to touch your audio, your, your cues have to be way better. Yep. You know, you've got to be able to create visuals really quick and adapt and you have to adapt on the fly. Like Dennis, like I don't write down programs before I train someone, but when this whole thing started and I had to shift to the virtual model, it's mm -hmm. like, okay, I got to write down the equipment they have because <laughs> 
everyone, yeah. everyone has different things. So, right. you know, I can't just go, all right, I'm gonna go to this corner. I'm going to grab this for them. It was like, okay, let's, you know, put a general thing. Hey, I want them to do some pushing, some pulling with their arms, with their upper body, with their legs. And then you just adapt to whatever equipment they have. Makes sense. A little bit along those paths is one of the things that we do uh, and we try to teach is that everyone does the same workout, if that makes sense. And I don't mean the same reps and the same this and the same that, but everyone does the same workout and then you just adapt it on the fly. For example, in the push, some people aren't able to use their full body weight to do a push up. So then what do we do? We modify the push up. Mm-hmm. But everyone in our program is doing a push that looks some form of a push-up. Mm-hmm. So in terms, when you were talking about throwing the pre-made workout, all of our workouts are the same. Of course, there's infinite number of variations to that workout. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So even though it's the same, it's completely different. So, you know, it's so funny because I've, uh, I kind of run the gamut in, in my instruction where I'll work with someone who just had back surgery. And then I work with a UFC fighter who's, you know, uh, going for the belt and they'll like, one will be walking out with a cane as the other walks in and they look at each other like, wait a minute. And I tell them they're the same client. It's just what different intensity, different speeds, different, this different, that, but they're literally doing the same thing. They all have to push and pull and bend and twist and squat and lunge. And they have to know how to ambulate, get from point A to point B. But it's what variation of those seven things one individual is doing versus the other. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about you know, our program, not to keep talking about that, but our program works for everyone. But you have to be able to, the reason I bring it up is you have to be able on the fly determine what variable that individual is going to be able to do or not do. And that's what I think is most important is critical thinking. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely to be able to be able to look and 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 in a a matter of 30 seconds oh you're not going to be able to do that or you know you're doing that really poorly we need to modify it so that it does look right and it does move better and you do have to so anyway that that was just a little bit of difference that we have so dead on i agree it's all about up here (laughs) i think critical thinking is is that something that you think is missing generally across the board (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, we don't want to go down that whole path. But yeah. I, I'm just going to say critical thinking, you know, you know, like the old saying, right? Common sense ain't so common. Well, you know, it's kind of funny. People always use that term common sense. And my psychology professor, <laughs> the very first day we went into class, my freshman year, Dr. Ziegenfuss is his name, was his name. I don't even know if the guy still. Can't around. forget that name. Oh, it's, it was a great <laughs> <Yeah>. name. <laughs> but the very first thing he told us was there is no such thing as common sense. It does not <laughs> exist because there is not one thing that the hu- that the whole human race shares together. Ooh. Because he said Ooh. some people don't have feel. Some people don't have touch. Some people don't have sight. Some people don't have hearing. And nobody has the same thought process, logic or illogic. And I was like, oh, very interesting. To me, it kind of made sense. Like, yeah, there, you can't get people on the same. There's, no, there's nothing that anybody can ever agree on 100%. I disagree, but I understand that philosophy. Because we still have flat earthers, <laughs> right? I mean, if everything was common... We wouldn't have any. Yeah, you know what I mean? We all share the human existence. 
We do. We do. We have that in common. Mm -hmm. And I think if we never lose sight of that, we will always be on the right path. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's where common sense comes into place with the human existence. We all, you know, have our, our paths, but Mm -hmm. we all have this in common. We share the planet and we share the human existence. So that's the only thing I I do think we all do come from a common spot. Mm -hmm. You know, we all started as, as a sperm and an egg. We all started as a zygote. We all started as a baby. We all start. That's common. Every one of us in the, you know, in the human race that I'm aware of at least, Mm -hmm. right. All started at the same spot. So if we always go back to our origin, I think we do have some commonality. So, but I I understand where your doc went with that. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like I said, it was for the first day as a freshman, that was a punch in the face. It was. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, to think about it, I mean, it's 30 years later. I still remember it like it was yesterday. Absolutely. I mean, that's how, that's how impactful that was. Yeah. That that, that would, at least on me. That would have got me in in the beginning. Had to, I said, I had to work through that. So I think one of the things that, that I think some trainers have an issue with is, is really seeing our coaches taking, continuing to build on their education. And is there a way that we really can lock that down? Because we have, I mean, let's, here's an example. We know somebody that before we took him to a, one of the continuing education courses with us, had been in the industry for 20 plus years and had never gone to another continuing education in, all, in over two decades. So, I mean, how do we ensure that this is, because in two decades, think about what we've learned. That's where, that's where I think the challenges are, mm-hmm. right? I, I think that's where we have to really look at to see where we want to go as an industry. So our philosophy has been, we try to shotgun and give you a little bit of everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Our, our standard course is about a little bit of everything. But what we really try to teach and ingrain upon the individual is that little everything is just enough that you don't hurt anyone in any of those facets. Remember how I told you, I believe in every little facet, there needs to be what you're looking for to know, oh, that's not in my scope. Let's hand them out. Right. Your, your Rolodex, and I know that's an old term, but your Rolodex is so important because you need to know in this this is who I refer out to in this. This is who I refer out to and what have you. But the flip side of that is I believe for anyone to be truly successful in this field, they need to then take one of the 14, 15 categories and become the specialist and become the answer and become the highest they can be. And that's who they should surround themselves with. And that's who they should focus on as their clientele. So the idea to have somebody that went through a class 20 years ago and never built on that and never decided this is who he or she was, that's tough for me. And I know it goes back to my original statement, which is, do you want to stop someone who's helping and say, oh, you didn't educate yourself more. So you're out of the field. Once again, tough, tough decision. I, I, you know, I'm like this. Tough decision. Yeah, you know, in that case with the trainer, you almost think that they have that destination attitude, right? So they're like, hey, I got this. I'm good. I'm just going to work on growing my business and helping people with what I know now. Well, that's fine as long as that's where they keep themselves. The challenge is when they get a client, right, that now needs something more, they don't have it, but they still keep them. They hold them back. Mm. You can't teach to the lowest common denominator, Mm. right? That's one of the biggest challenges is teaching to the lowest common denominator, right? You want to teach to their strengths. And if you really don't have anything in your your toolbox that can go up with them, you shouldn't hold on to them. So I'm completely fine if that trainer only trains with people 
that have six months or less background in fitness, right? Because that's where they are. That's their background. Even though they've been in fitness 20 years, if they haven't gone to the next level, they can't bring their clients to the next level either. You know, it's sort of like that one song that says, after you've gotten there, turn around and help the next person up. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's, it's the idea that you want, you're always going to be able to help somebody because somebody's going to be quote unquote less than you. And I don't mean that in a, in a worth level, but I mean, if you've trained for what, for six months, there's going to be people who haven't trained at all. So anybody from zero to six months, you got a yellow brick road for them and you can cut that time in half because there's somebody who is good at that. But if you don't raise your level, you're never going to be able to raise their level. Mm -hmm. So then that means you should only keep clients for the, a, a starter pack of 20. Mm -hmm. And once they've gotten to a level, then you say, okay, let me hand you off to somebody who's really at the top of their game. And unfortunately, I would assume that that, that trainer that you're discussing doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. trained, that trainer probably has had clients that have been with him or her for the 20 years that he's been there, or, you know, mm -hmm. 10 of the 20 years. Well, where are their clients? Where have their clients gone? You know, and, and part of that is you build that connection with that person, right? Correct. And then that person, that person doesn't want to leave you because they've built this connection with you and they trust you. And then that, that trainer, you know, it's their living. So they need to make money and then they you get, know, they get stuck in that. And the minute they do that, they need to find another profession. If you're good at what you do, you never, ever have to worry about getting another client. If you're good at what you do, the people that you service will tell everybody they know how well you've serviced them and you will never need to look for another client. You get your top 10 clients and those top 10 clients will bring you more clients than you know mm -hmm. what to do with. You know, it's over delivering. It's mm -hmm. over delivering. And if you ever keep a client because, oh, I need the money, get out of my profession. Go. Do not, do not pass go. Do not. That's That hurts me. That hurts me. Because we don't get into this to help ourselves. If you don't have the serving mentality, if you don't want to serve others, if you, don't, if you don't have this unstoppable desire to serve others and help others and put their wants and needs in front of yours, then you shouldn't be in this profession. In See, fact, I think one of the huge problems is in, like, in a club, right? Like a sales mm -hmm. manager right? will tell the trainer you know, that they're, they're pushing them, they're pressuring them. Hey, they, these guys need to buy another package. You mm -hmm. know, they're, they have three sessions left. Let's get them on another 20. Let's get them on another 20. So then they get into this mentality of, okay, I just need to make, I need to hit my goal. And then they lose sight of this, you know, what they're, what they're really there for. Well, and once again, I would assume, and, and I'm right with you. I believe me, do I, do I know that mentality? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But what I tried to push with every one of my trainers and my staff was, look, do you need to hit numbers? Yes, you do. But you know what? I would rather you turn over and hit new numbers than hit the same numbers with the same people. Mm -hmm. We want to outspread. We want, I would rather work with 40 separate people one hour a week than work with 10 people four times a week because my message isn't getting out there. That's why I got into teaching because I know that when you guys went through my class, you now have taught thousands of people. And that's my goal. My goal is to touch millions of people's lives. That's my only goal. I want to know that I leave a legacy and that 
when I'm far and gone, there's still people saying, I learned this thing from this guy named Mike who learned it from another guy, who, right? That the legacy about changing people's lives. And that's the biggest problem. People that come into this thing, and, and, and I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go off. I just agreed. If, if you keep a client because, oh, I've got to pay the electricity bill this year, you suck. Go work at Starbucks. Go work at a different place. Don't, don't do that to the clients that need you. Don't hold a client back because you're afraid you won't get another client. You know, we had an old saying, some of my, um, the owners and some of the higher ups, they'd come to me and say, Mike, so many of your trainers go on and they go on and they on, they, they go start their own training business or they go on. I go, yeah, because I keep educating them. We would educate and educate and educate and educate, right? And so I, I would say to them, the only thing worse, the only thing worse than them getting educated and leaving are them what? Not stay be educated and, and stay. stay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right? Right? It's that mentality. We live in such a plentiful world. We live in a world of such abundance. You can't have that minimal mindset. You can't have that thought, I, I, I don't have enough. You can't live in scarcity. You have to know that there's abundance for everyone. There's such abundance. This is Look at you guys in the middle of Silicon Valley. You talk about abundance, right? I mean, these people, the, the amount of money they have and the influence they have and change one person's life, they will tell a thousand people, mm -hmm. you won't have enough time to train them. You mm -hmm. got to hire five trainers underneath you that have the same philosophy because you don't even have enough ability to train everybody. And so once again, I, I hate to keep rambling. It's just that statement, it, it, it's ugly to me. It, it is, it's what I fought my entire life against. And I agree. There are there are fitness managers out there who say the exact thing. You got to resell them. You got to re-up them. You got to. My whole thing is: look, if they don't re-up, I'm so excited because they don't need me anymore. I've educated them to my level. Like you guys, I'm so excited. I am. I, I like every time I, I talk with you guys, I get so excited because the student is now here. You guys are way above me. I I poured everything I had, and you just went. I love it. I love it. I love it and kept going right mm -hmm. i'm neo i'm the lower guy you guys are the masters you guys have just gone and filled your head with all this amazing education and that makes me feel better mm -hmm. that's what i want with every one of my clients every person who goes through i want them to say oh thanks for the stepping stone <laughs> gotta go that would make me so happy and to teach that to all the trainers right to teach that to the to the world in general i'm, I'm sorry i'm I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> anyway, that's where I'm at. So thank that's you for so, bringing it up because it, it it's really near and dear to my heart. Well, because I think this is where that having that um, that board exam would weed out those type of people, right? Because you would have to be really committed and really passionate about what you do to, to even go through with a board exam like that. In your board exam view. Would or it, something you, where like, yeah, like everyone does their own separate education anywhere you want to do it. But right. would and it, then you would take it that decrease course. the number or increase the number of trainers? I think it would probably decrease. I think it would decrease the number of trainers. So if every trainer that's out today services five clients, for every trainer we don't have, that's five less people that are getting the information and the help that they need. So, I, I mean, like I said, I understand that there needs to be a standard. There needs to be... Because look, are there trainers going around hurting people? Well, yeah, I'm a perfect example. There are. 
Should that person be allowed to train? No. I mean, seriously, without getting real serious re-education, that guy should not be allowed to train anybody. Look what he did to me. And I was a pro athlete. Imagine what he does to grandma, right? So that's not fair and it's not right. So that's why I understand, do we need to have a board? And believe me, I, I get it. But I also do understand that what I teach and what the standard training is, it ain't rocket science. You know, that's one of our biggest challenges with some of the other certs is it's almost as if they need to feel better about themselves that they teach all this deep, intricate science, 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 science. And I'm afraid if we had a board exam, that's what it would be consisting of. It's not what we need. In my opinion, we need more people who care. How do you teach a caring, loving, helping mentality? To me, that's the biggest, you know, the biggest blessing of personal training. It's just personal training is, it's the idea of getting them to learn a new habit. And how long does it take to do a habit? Let's say it's 30 to 60 days. Well, once they've created the habit, it's time to say, have a nice day. You know, it's time to push the chick out of the, out of the nest. It's time to say, now you got to actually what? Go do you got to actually do it on your own. Mm -hmm. Cause if you don't do it on your own, you're just what you're, that's the problem with relationships, male, female, or whatever, whatever relationship you're in, right? If, if they are literally needing you, ah, that's so good. I don't want my old lady to need me. I want her to love me and want to be with me, mm -hmm. right? But not need me. I want her to be able to leave at any time. By the way, the door's open. But the reason she doesn't leave is because she loves me and she loves what I can do with her. Does that make sense? And as a yep. team. It's kind of the same idea with the training thing. You know, I don't want my client dependent upon me. Now, if there's an issue with the client, let's say the issue is just, I don't go to the gym unless I have an appointment with you. Have you ever heard that one? Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Right? Big, probably the biggest one. Mm -hmm. Well, once you've gotten, okay, so I'm going to say you need to do four sessions a week with me. But what's the number one goal? Drop it to three and you need to come once by yourself. Drop it to two and you need to come twice by yourself. Drop it to one and you need to come once by yourself. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. All training should drop in the amount, not raise. And the whole idea is that they need to work on their own. It's a destination. Now you're fit. Now you have the healthy lifestyle mindset. So you're going to come to the gym all the time by yourself. And I keep saying, come to the gym. Do we need to have a gym membership? Absolutely. No. But at the same point in time, gyms are great. The whole nine yards. So I don't want, I'm not, they're not negative. They're positive. But at the same point in time, it's the idea that you go. And that's what we want to create. And once you've got that, then you should only need to come see me as a trainer once a week, once every two weeks, once a month, because then I can what? I can tweak and look at and give you some foundation, make sure you're still on the right path. Maybe even give a little couple assessments to make sure you haven't lost what it is that we work so hard to get together. And then it's what? Asta. Send 39 other people that need it. Does that, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's your ability to have your clients walk away and know that when he or she has the ability to, to understand what they need to do on their own as far as, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm at the gym and I'm going to do this, 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 and this because this I know this is what I need. And, and really, in, in many respects, kind of be more knowledgeable than a lot of the trainers that we see out there. <laughs> <laughs> Realistically, right? Well, once again, that, that, that's, that's where we, you know, we have to decide 
what the knowledge base should be. But, you know, Tony Robbins always says that there's a few things that you don't, you don't hand off to anybody else, right? And one of them is your health. It's great to seek knowledge to learn, but you should actually learn. You should never allow your health to be in someone else's hands. That, that's not a great relationship. You always should be in control of your own health your own health, your own wealth, right? Your own relationship. Those are the things that are so important. And I, and I look at it that way. Once again, my number one goal as a trainer is to educate you on how to live a healthy lifestyle. And once you created that as a, as a habit, my work is done. And I'm not saying they can't come back to get even better. It's, that to me is that's when you hand them off to the expert. That's when you hand them off to you know one, one of you guys, you know, because they want to be able to do all these kind of things, right? But that's that's the idea. That like that's in my mindset. We talked a lot about the brain uh, and yeah. making sure you're in the right state of mind. This last week, we did have one of our industry icons talk about people that he sees running on a daily basis. The vast majority, like nine out of every ten, should not be running. Which brings up the question, people run because mentally that puts them in a good place. Do you think that's why? I don't, I, that, that's usually what, I mean, a lot of people, I don't know if it's obligation, a sense of obligation that they need to do this, but I, I know there are quite a few people that whether it's a dependency to do this or yeah. a, a mental or physical, they do it out of obligation. And we, we look at the biomechanics and we go, oh my God, that's just ugh. painful. But if, if we take that away from the person, are we, being, are we doing more damage? It's a great question. I mean, that's one of the things. I mean, it, it's a great question. You know, running's always been my <laughs> interesting, you know, I've got some concepts on the running. We won't necessarily go into those today, but at the same point in time, you know, if we look at biomechanically and we look at the stress that we place on the body during a run and during a walk, there's a whole lot of people running that really don't walk very well yet. And, and that's, see, that's where a trainer I think is so important. If the individual's goal is to run, we think they should be able to move better before they run. Would you agree with that, right? Movement mm -hmm. specialists, would you agree mm -hmm. that they should move better mm -hmm. before they run? Mm -hmm. So that's where a trainer comes in, right? That's where a trainer comes in to say, wow, you shouldn't really be running because you run really poorly and you're going to injure yourself and you're going to then take so many steps back. I think so many people run because they think that that's what fitness is. They see all these things I got to run or, or marathon. What are you freaking thinking? Right? Mm -hmm. Let's run 28 point something miles straight without stopping. Why? Well, it's an arbitrary number, right? 28 something miles. How many people should run 28 miles ever? But they do it because it's a goal. They want to know that they started something and they finished something and they did it. So mentally, there's a lot of really cool stuff involved. But should they be running? Oh my gosh, it's some of the most unhealthy people I've ever seen is go to a marathon and see the people running in a marathon. It's a great question. It's, I mean, uh, it, it's so loaded. It's a loaded question. There's so many different answers. I mean, I, I, I see both sides. Uh, is it one of those things of what's case by case better for that person? I truly well mean or the physical? That's, that's what I, I truly think when it comes to running, it's as mental as it is physical. Right. Right. I mean, is there any real 
physiological reason the human body needs to run more than a mile or two. It's really hard pressed. It's really hard pressed to find any deep seated physiological reason you need to run more than a mile or two. Why are, why are marathons so popular? Why is there ultra marathons? Why is there all these like challenges and stuff out? It, it, it's mental. It's right, mental. because it's a, it's a, when, I mean, that's just a huge sense of accomplishment. That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Huge. It's a massive mental uh, goal that, I mean, if you get to, I mean, think about it, in an ultra marathon, how many people over the course of one calendar year actually complete an ultra marathon? I'd love to see that number, but I'm pretty so small. tiny, such a tiny fraction. Tiny. And so a lot of that then says, placates the ego where you're like, I am one out of a very small demographic that can actually accomplish this or has accomplished this. So I would ask, what was wrong with the ego in the first place they needed to do it? Very good question, right? So those are the questions. Like, there's a, ever heard of Kukura? Kukura is um, training so that you can become a Navy SEAL. 70 hours, no sleep. You run and move for 70 straight hours. You're given little packets of food to live on you're you're in the cold you're huddling together you're 70 hours of kukura the amount of people that have passed kukura is i mean you talk about a tiny number and you pay ten thousand dollars to go through this mm -hmm. so you pay ten thousand dollars for someone to literally mentally and physically beat the shit out of you why to me, there's something missing. Now, don't get me wrong. The people that want to become Navy SEALs and they go through that training program so that when they go to the Navy SEALs, it doesn't freak them out because that's pretty much what they're doing. It's run by Navy SEALs. It's, it's you know, basically they're trying to recreate the Navy SEAL ex experience, right? Okay, I get it. But if you're just a regular dude or regular lady to go through that, why would, <laughs> what would, what would motivate you to do that? And once again, I think it's a sense, like you said, of accomplishment. I, I can do it. I've done it only one tiny percent or whatever. But at what cost and what level? And I mean, can you imagine going through 70 hours of pure torture and, and just it's terrible, right? Running's a variation of that. The marathon's a variation of that. The, you know, so where do you draw the line? And I think you draw the line. As long as you know in your mind you're not doing it for health. In mm -hmm. fact, I'm going to say that it's detrimental for most people for their actual health. And that at, when they get done with the marathon, they then have to basically, what, put themselves in, a, a, you know, in rehab just to be able to go on with their lives. For me, like years ago, it was, yeah, you're not running as going to be very detrimental for you. Stop doing that. We're going to really reduce it, blah, blah, blah. But then I watched this show that profiled four distance runners okay. who had drug issues, alcohol issues, uh, domestic violence issues, things like that. Sure. And running was their escape. Absolutely. And no matter how shitty their bodies felt, yeah. they continued to do it because of the alternative if they didn't. What I'm saying, right? Yes, and, and that's when that was the, when the light bulb for me personally went out. When I went, oh shit, there's a totally different side of this. Yes, that I just hadn't thought about from that running, and it was that mental mindset side, not the physical. And as long as they know that, but my mm -hmm. challenge would be to go to the next step. 
is an alcoholic better that they never drink alcohol if they're never around alcohol? Mm-hmm. Did they really accomplish anything? And, and I'm asking that. It's different if you're an alcoholic, you decide you're not going to drink and you become a bartender. Mm. You're around alcohol every minute of every day, but yet you don't drink it because you've decided you're not. Mm. It's a whole different mindset than I'm not going to drink because I'm never going to see alcohol and I'm never going to come around it and none of my friends drink and nobody else and nobody else. Did you really conquer the issue? And so I, I posed the question when you think about running as the same thing. What are you running for? Mm-hmm. Or what are you running away from? What are you mm-hmm. running to? Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Mm-hmm. It gets a little deeper. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the one who wants to tear you psychologically down to say, no, you can't run anymore because mm-hmm. you run like shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the same point in time, I want you to go to the next level and figure out why if it causes pain and you wrap your knees and you you ice yourself for hour afterward and you're like ready to fall apart why do you still do it that's the thing and and i don't think we're i don't think we're healing and i don't think we're being healers by allowing it to go on mm. that's the difference and remember how i said you need to know what you don't know mm-hmm. You need to know that that is a whole different issue than fitness and they need to see somebody mm-hmm. and it's probably not going to be you as the trainer, but they need to talk to somebody because mm-hmm. there's, there's a, there's a, there's a definite issue there. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Oh, very and much so. Yeah. And, and, and I agree that. So that's my statement from a mental state. Should I smoke? Should I do drugs or should I run? Well, if you had to ask me which one of the three, I think you should run. Yeah. Right. If those are the three that you're picking from, right? But to see, so, but I'd rather you didn't do any of them, right? But I'd rather you didn't beat up yourself anyway. It's, it's a- I play, I play hockey with, there's a kid, uh, or not a kid, there's a guy I play hockey with. He's a goalie and he plays when he's not at work, he's at the ice rink. Right. He's playing typically when we can play because we can't play currently, but sure. he's playing four games typically a day that's a shitload and he's not much he's not much younger than me and so but the alternative is he's a recovered drug addict yeah and so when i talked to him i was like so why you know and he goes because the alternative is not where i want to face and if i'm not at the ice rink i have this feeling that i'm going to be doing shit that i shouldn't be doing so i would i don't want to split hairs and i don't want to be weird or or you know (laughs) get the avalanche of negativity, but I would argue he's not a recovered alcohol or a recovered drug addict. I would say that he has substituted one drug for another. Yes. Well, yes. And he has made a difference on this is a healthier alternative. But once again, if doing four games of hockey at his age is tearing his body down as well, then it's just a matter of which one will Mm -hmm. be worse first. Mm -hmm. So once again, if you ask me, would I rather him play hockey for four hours or go be a drug addict? I'm going to say, go play hockey for four hours. But four hours, you know, it's that scale. But four hours of hockey is not better than one hour of hockey and three hours of self-examination and self-realization and getting to a better place. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. So that's where I think the challenge is. And once again, I don't think most trainers have the tools to work with someone to do that. Mm-hmm. 
but they need to recognize it. I mean, in the gym, if you get someone coming to the gym three, four, five hours a day, every day, working out, training with you one hour and then going and doing all, someone needs to talk with them. The more you work out doesn't make you healthier. There's that curve that when you hit that level and you keep going, it actually starts to what? Deteriorate. Remember, all exercise is a stress. And the more stress you place on the body, your body's going to hit a point where what? It doesn't get better. It actually starts getting worse. So those are the those are the mental issues that once again, those are the things, what are they compensating for? And, you know, we try to teach, as you know, in some of our advanced class, you start asking those tough questions. You know, how's your life at home? What's your relationship like? How are you with your, you know, body balance being? What, what are you going with here? Where are you going? Right. Those are some tough questions. And, and, and a lot of the trainers aren't equipped with that, you know, so you got to know who to send them to, but they yeah, need sent somewhere. Yeah. A lot of coaches aren't comfortable asking those questions. Right. But yeah. that's the job. That's your job. That's your job as a trainer. That's your job as a, as another human being, that person is in pain, whether they know it or not. You know, that person is running away from something. That person hasn't dealt with issues. And I don't expect you as a trainer to be able to deal that issue or tackle that issue. But I do expect my expectation is absolutely positively to recognize it and address it, you know, and, and take the next step. Anyway, that's, that's where I go. So we talked earlier about you know, educators having the ability to, or coaches get to a certain level and then they look back and they pull others up to their standard or where they're at there. And it kind of led me to thinking about Frank Shamrock's minus equal and plus, where he talks about, you know, his students, he wants them working with all three different levels, people that are worse than them or not as experienced as them, people that are their equals, and then people that are better than them. And that all his students go through these three steps. And I think as coaches, I, I like, I, I love that transference as coaches also. As, as coaches, you, you want to work with help coaches out or trainers out that are, that are just starting and try to build them up. But then also work with your peers that you feel are on level ground with you, but then never stop learning from your educators or people that you regard as being at a higher level than you. I love it. And hey, whatever Frank's doing up there seems to work, right? I mean, the proof's in the pudding. Uh, agreed. And yeah, I love that idea. I mentor college kids mm -hmm. constantly. I have four or five students, you know, mm -hmm. at any given time because I need to always keep my mind into that mindset as well. Mm -hmm. And remember, one of my favorite sayings is if you can't teach it to a seven-year-old, then you don't really know it. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying a college student is a seven-year-old. But it's that same idea. It's always keeping yourself. So I love the idea of what Frank was saying about teaching at the lower level, teaching at your level, and then also going to the higher level. Great idea. Makes sense. Well, and, and when Jeremy, when we just had Jeremy Frisch on, I really enjoyed how he talked about he puts the least skilled person with the highest skilled person. Yep. So that it teaches that empathy and it teaches that ability to have that higher skilled person need to help that lesser skilled person. You know, but isn't that the way it is in life? That's why I was mm -hmm. saying about, you know, looking back and you, you, you help the next one up. But that, that's the whole idea. The whole idea is never lose sight of where you came from. And, you know, and I'm not trying to get too esoterical, but 
you really got to always keep that in mind and, and always be the student and always be in the student's head and always understand what that's like, you know, because the more, you know, the more you find you don't know. True. But when you're a student, you think you know it all <laughs> and you don't know enough to know that you don't know it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and once again, that's, that's the, that's the philosophy that we try to teach is you need to know just enough, a minimum. You need to know just enough to know you don't know it and to know, okay, I've got to refer out. And so when you, when you hit up with that about, should there be a board exam? Should there be, if it's based around things you need to look for as a trainer, if any things happen above this thing, this is when you need to refer out. This is when you need to look for someone else. This is what, then I'm all for it. But if it's all based on, oh, how much science can you reiterate? How much, you know, sliding filament theory can you talk for five minutes about? Then I, I'm, I'm just so against it. I just think it's just not on the same path. Because a lot of that, I mean, what you just, those couple little examples that you just talked about, your clients don't give a shit. None. They don't None. care. No. Not at all. I, I always say that to everyone. I spent a, an entire semester learning sliding filament theory. Not one client in 30 years has ever asked me. Not one has ever asked me. Tell me about the sliding filament theory. Well, thank you. You know, thank you. Let, let me tell you. There's these two myofilaments and they they don't care. As so, long as you get them, get them the results, you're, it's all good. Correct. We're judged on our results, aren't we? Right, because a lot of times when we're just if we're to the level where we're just spitting out science, you're really just being maybe just an arrogant, pompous ass. As you, I think, are alluding towards, it's easy. This doesn't make sense off the top, but it's easy to be challenging. It's easy to be to speak in a level above them. It's way harder to understand where they are and to mm -hmm. speak to them. Mm -hmm. right? It's way harder. And that's why I said, if you truly know it, you can explain it to a seven-year-old. Mm -hmm. I got a seven-year-old at home and I'm telling you, he freaking asked so many questions. <laughs> I think I know something. He's like, so dad, what do you, well, dad, what do you, so dad, what do you, so then if that happens, then what do you, and then you're like, wow, holy moly, right? Because then you have to know on every spectrum that he's going to go towards mm -hmm. that you truly, there, there's a science to knowing everything at this level. You know, you might be, what's that, what's that show? Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Right? Yeah, something I mean, like that, yeah. That's, it's awesome. That's awesome. I love that idea. Mm -hmm. I love the idea because you really do. To be expert at a lower level is still an expert, and it's still an expert at a lower level. But you need to be an expert at a lower level because that's typically, as a starting trainer, the people that you train with. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what they need. They need you to be an expert at the level they're in. So, you know, in terms of the exam, that's the way I'd love to see it. You need to know enough to know, ooh, ooh, refer out. <laughs> Gotta go. That's like the only the only answer on the test. Refer out. <laughs> yeah. That should be that should be at least every other answer. Every other answer should be ask somebody else. Send yeah. them to somebody else. No idea, right? Oh, that's awesome. But isn't it? I mean, think about it. That's funny. I know with the current events that are going on, I know your platform has changed. We've talked off several times over the last few months how mm -hmm. NCEP has changed, shifted directions. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the ways that's that's what's gone about in that in that realm? 
Funny you asked. Now I am the the tech guru around here, right? Yeah. So for about the last 11 months or so, I have jumped into every single course on tech. I can now create a website, landing pages. I can automate everything that happens. And I am the guy, right? And it's funny because it was something that was needed and it was something that was coming, but the COVID just put it in fast forward, right? If you don't have an online platform, it's really challenging because we're not allowed to work. Our whole thing from day one was always what? Hands-on. We're inside the clubs and we work hands-on. Clubs ain't open, right? And I truly believe that when they do get open, it's still going to be a, just a little different than what we're, what we're used to. So we had to go online and we, we just exacerbated it. And so we did that. And we am very proud of what we have now to offer. And to be honest with you, I don't know if we'll ever go back to the other model. And I'm mm -hmm. not saying we won't split because mm -hmm. we will always want to do hands-on. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we're going to let go of the, of the online model. In fact, what we found is that, you know, we've been polling everybody who's gone through the online program. The average test score is actually lower. Like it's harder for them. Mm -hmm you know, because they don't have the hands on. So it makes us be that much better. Right. And so then we've implemented the personal calls and the zoom meetings and doing all those things so that they don't feel like they're alone going through the course, even though they are alone in their own home on the mm -hmm. online. But now we've done that hands on even through, that's why we were discussing earlier, having to learn that tactile and that you can't touch, but now you've got to really, as you mentioned, Neil, about be much better descriptive and how you do this and how you didn't show that it's it's funny because i mean i found myself going oh you got to put your oh, oh. yeah <laughs> uh, you gotta uh, i it, it's a learning you know it's a learning it's a learning curve right yeah we we have and uh aren't you also going to launch mm -hmm. your online program here real soon if you haven't already uh very soon, very soon here. by the time we release this podcast we'll have released our online course so that'll be right. another option because I think what's uh, live courses are great. And there is always that little extra something that a live course is going to give you that an online course won't. That's my opinion as well. That's there's always that little bit of some, whether you call it magic or whatever it is, there's just that little something that's missing from an online course. But we also forget that there are a lot of extenuating circumstances that prevent people from going to your live courses. Yes. Shit happens. Life happens. I agree. If you're so a single parent, things like that, I mean, it's hard to get away. That's why we've really tried to go the next level. And mm -hmm. the next level is, you know, our whole brand is about just like in the fact that I still know you guys and it's been 10 or 12 years since you went through the course. I pride myself in knowing most of the people that have gone through the course. I know there are thousands of people. And if I don't know them personally, then I know the person who does know them, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I know the instructor that did do it. At one point, it was only me, but now, you know, we have instructors nationwide, but those I know instantly to go to that person because they've created that relationship. Mm -hmm. And so going online, I think the key to being online is to still have that relationship. It's not, oh, just click a button and, you know, tell me when you're done and I'll print out the cert and send it to you. Mm -hmm. To me, it's still the, 
Hey, did you, I, thank you so much for signing up. Thank you so much for, oh, I hope you, you know, enjoy this section. By the way, what section are you on right now? I can see that you just finished this. Oh, do you have any questions? Did you like the way that we approached this? How did you, and really, really dig it to them and mm. give them as part of it so that when they leave, they're like, wow, that coach was fantastic. They, they were on the phone with me so often and they were really, that's what we're trying to create in the online version. And through Zoom, through FaceTime, through whatever it is, not only is it just a phone call, but it's a phone call and we're still seeing them. And I think mm. that that's important. And I don't ever want to lose that. And it is, it's more effort, more challenge. It's, you know, uh, more manpower on our end. But I think it's a really important part of the, the equation, you know. Because well, it shows, like I said earlier, you give a shit. I do. It's, it's just, because, I mean, how many times do you go to a college, you're in college, you go to a class, and the professor canceled the class. You woke up at 7.30 a.m. to get to an 8 a.m. class or 8.30. You show up and holy shit, no class, right? And yeah. the professor doesn't give a shit whether you pass or fail. But I mean, if Good you're time. putting that much effort in there, it shows that you care. And you get more buy-in with that. That's, you know, we, we want a client for life. Mm -hmm. You know, we want a student for life. We want, like I said, you guys are, are amazing. I, I am so proud. I don't know proud's the word or so happy, so excited, so elated that you even relate to us or even ever mention us or ever be a part of it. Because to me, that's so important. I want every single person who's ever gone through NCEP to be part of a little family, part of a little mm. feeling that community and feeling that we're always here for you. You know, it was funny because right before the podcast, another student had called me and I hadn't spoken to her for quite a while. And she's like, Mike, what do you think of this, this, and this? And I said, oh, blah, blah, And we started chatting. And next thing I know, we're on the phone for almost an hour. And I'd remembered her from class. She had remembered me from class and the whole thing. And we just got talking. And, and you know, it's still that, that bond. And, and that's mm -hmm. the way I want it to always be. I don't ever want to be in the position where, oh, we have so many people. I can't tell one from another. That's not, that's not the company I envision. And so that's where no matter how much we get mechanized and no matter how much we go into the digital age to lose that unity or bonding, I think would be a shame. And that's what our, our brand and that's what our industry needs to never forget. You know, we're still not selling computer software. You know, we still are selling a relationship and that is what's most important to us. And you've been, you've embodied that more than anyone, right? Even just looking at everything you do, you've embodied that, that belief, you know, and so that's, that's who we want to be part of. That's who we want to be, you know, want to keep our brands together. That's why I love it. So thank you again. Well, no, thank you for being a mentor for us and, and showing us that there's something different out there as opposed to <laughs> what's the mainstream type of education is, is being put out there. I, I just did some really deep dive studying because we're, we're coming out with a whole new business course. Uh, we're implementing actually with our standard. Inside of our standard, there's going to be teaching trainers how to run a business, teaching trainers how to be sufficient, right? How to create a multitude in their lives, right? And it's insane. Did you know there's actually statistics saying that a trainer's average career is less than a year. Oh, easily, easily. Oh, so you agree with that? Right. Oh, I hands down, hands yeah. down. 
That's not even close. I mean, I a hundred percent agree with that. Wow. It's it's a it's, very you were surprised by that. So I mean, the, uh, the statistic that we had mm-hmm. was from idea that said for every two people that are certified today, mm-hmm. one won't be training one year from now. So it's mm-hmm. a 50% drop off in a year. Mm, this wow. latest research came out and said 90% won't be training in a year. Like that that's mm. 50 to 90, 90, nine out of every 10 people who are certified today won't be training a year from the day. 90% guys, that's staggering. That, that means, that means certification agencies suck. Look, remember suck less, <laughs> need to suck less right? Because the support so, system's not there. Right. Well, you tell me the secret. Well, I, well, you, you and I have talked about it. All the, the, time. the business support is not there. The business Correct. education. And that's Correct. why coming out with the business management Correct. is very necessary. It's a vital thing. That's but why we're not, doing it. But it's not sexy, though. I don't know. And that's we'll the see how part. sexy it could be. I remember, hope it, if, just remember, know? if you can make it rain, you control the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. <laughs> so, so we want to teach these trainers to make it rain, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's the whole thing is, you know, you only have this, this, this finite amount of time with a trainer when they get their certification. And as you mentioned, sadly enough, so many of these trainers don't continue with their education. So you have this finite time to get their first cert. What do you do in that finite time? Do you focus on sliding filament theory? Do you focus on myofilaments? Do you focus on type, you know, different muscle types, type one, type two? Do you type with glycolytic do you type or do you start focusing on mindset and then start focusing on what how to sell your services because remember if you can sell you'll never be hungry it doesn't matter if you can sell anything you can sell widgets you can sell it doesn't matter you'll never be hungry and these kids aren't taught how to sell they aren't taught how to run a business they aren't taught any of the kpis that they need to have to be successful and then we wonder why they're not. And these companies are saying, oh, you know, work your own hours, wear sweats to work. Did you see the new one for NASM? Turn the gym into your office. Gyms aren't even open. How are you going to turn it into your office, right? And the last thing you're going to do is bring your computer and start typing in the gym and do it, right? I think it's the misnomer between what a trainer thinks his or her life's going to be like to after they get certified and what they're, what the true life of a trainer is. Right. Mm -hmm. If you were to describe the life of your life as a beginning trainer, what, how would you describe it? It's a hustle, man. Yeah. It's, it's a hustle. And it's, it's, you didn't uh, get to pick your hours. It, it, no, it's desperate. (laughs) There's a lot of desperation when you're starting out. Isn't there? there? Is. Yeah, there is. I mean, because you're, you're you're promised like a high hourly rate, but then in the beginning you have two clients. Yeah. You get two clients, All right? Yeah, so like, okay, cool. I got this decent hourly rate for four hours a week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the thing. You know? And I can't live on that. You know? <laughs> yeah. So because each person's situation is a little different, I was blessed enough to get into with the right person at the at the right at the correct small. The boutique studio that I was able to uh, benefit from that. But when I broke away and opened up my own facility, holy shit, I shit my pants. Yeah. Because now it's a different ball game. Now I got a lease. Now I got bills. To, now I got 
uh, overhead that I didn't have before. And, right. and the and you you are scared shitless. Yeah. Because yeah. how am I gonna make this work? But that desperation, it either makes you makes you or breaks. If you um have you ever read The Underdog? It's called The Underdog Mentality. No, you told me about that. The Underdog Advantage. Yeah, the Underdog Advantage. Love it. Love yeah. it. Love it. I will just tell everybody out there to, to get that book, Dean Grazioso. And it is, it's that mindset. And, and it's, it's amazing. And he, and he goes over story after story of the people who have made that mindset work. Mm-hmm. And I've adapted that. It's my second nature. And to always have that underdog mentality and always have that thought about how to learn from your mistakes and that life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you. No matter what happens, it's happened for you. And there's a reason that God brought it in your life and there's a reason that you should learn from it and, and to continue to grow from it. And, and it's the same thing with training, right? I mean, to grow your business, you've got to look what worked and look what didn't work, do more of what did, do less of what didn't, right? I mean, it seems a simple equation, but these guys just, when people get in the training, they don't have that. They don't have that sense of how to build their client. Like you said, oh my gosh, I'm going to make $50 an hour. Yay, but I only have two hours a week, (laughs) right? How am I going to make a living? And then how am I going to meet more people? Well, Am I going to meet more people at $50 an hour? No, you're going to meet them at minimum wage or nothing. So people aren't willing to do that. You know, they aren't willing to sow the field to get the crop. They want the crop to be there and then they'll do the work later. Well, that doesn't work that way. We just thought it would be so important to add the business concept into the standard training. Are most people not cut out to be business owners? (laughs) I don't know. I think there's an entrepreneur in all of us. I just think that um, they don't have the right mindset. There's a whole thing about working on the business versus working in the business. So many people make, you know, they start their own businesses, but all they've done is just taken on all the responsibility and they've just created a job for them that I guess they can't get fired because they're the boss. And that's the entirely wrong mindset. It's the entirely wrong mindset, in my opinion. Interesting concept, but if you think about it, aren't all trainers, or at least 90% of them, entrepreneurs anyway? Even if you work for a big box club, don't you still have to create your own destiny? Like Most big box clubs don't just sit there and they don't go, oh, here's 500 clients. There you go. You still have to create your own. You do have to. You've got to create your own client, but then you still don't understand. They're still not taught how to budget, how to manage, correct, and, and the ins and outs. And then also the problem is, is when people leave a box gym, which let's get this out of the way. For all you box gym managers out there that bitch and moan that your trainers have left and taken your clients, get over it. That's just the shit. That's the way the system is set up. It's It's been that way and it will probably always be that way. Right? There are very few box gyms that even offer the trainer a nice life if they're successful i mean let's face it like so, you know some of the some of the bigger box gyms that have the whole 401ks and they pay vacations and they do they really try to make it a career and mm-hmm. to be honest with you there are some i know some, oddly enough 24 years ago i had 70 trainers on my immediate staff inside of one club of those 70 trainers are you ready for this 16 of them are still training in the same facility. Oh, shit. Wow. 
Yes. Now that is not the norm. No, 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 not even close. And they're all over six figures, Mm -hmm. right? They're all making over six figures and they all do pretty well for themselves. And I'm sure they all have a little side hustle, Mm -hmm. but they're still at the club. I thought that was a pretty remarkable. Now, remember this was pre-COVID. It was actually January, but still that I thought that was pretty remarkable. But that's not the average. That's not the norm. So no. I got a little skewed on, that's why I told you I, I did some research on how long do trainers normally stay trainers. Now I'll give you another really great statistic for NCEP, and maybe this would come for a surprise, maybe not, but do you realize half the trainers who have ever been certified from NCEP are still in the field? Half. So if, if the statistics that 90% of the people that are certified leave the field, that's not us. I thought that was crazy, right? 50% are still, we're, we've been in business over 20 years mm-hmm. and 50% of every trainer who's been certified is still in the field. 50%. That's pretty crazy, right? I mean, those are, star- that's, I'm not trying to tap myself on the back, but those are startling numbers, right? Mm-hmm. So what are the other certs not doing? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, they're not introducing it because unfortunately when you get in, there's so much marketing and so much selling of yourself. That's really a, so much of the game that's not being taught. Agreed. So, so you're unleashing people into the industry. It's like giving somebody a sword or a steak knife and then telling them to go fight an army of tanks. <laughs> you, you're just not preparing them as well as they need to be. And then you wonder why they got their asses handed to them. Cause you gave them a freaking steak knife against an Abrams M1 tank. What did you think the outcome was going to be? Yeah. I, I love, I love your, I love your visual. I love your visual. Realistically, because one, the one biggest regret that I have is that I didn't have, when I got into the industry, I didn't have that business side mentor to start with. Sure. To somebody to say, this is what you're going to need to do. This is what you're going to have to look out. For. Interesting. And, 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 you, and think that has, you think that would have helped you immeasurably? Oh, yeah. I mean, I had to learn it the hard way. I had to learn about taxes and, 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 and managing money and things like that. That If you would have had somebody there in the course, that there would have been that. In school, we took home economics, sure. right? He came out of high school knowing what a credit card was, how the shit works, how to manage your budget, right? Or predominantly, how to balance a checkbook. Who the hell learns that shit in high school nowadays? Just so you know, I didn't have that course. So I would have, that would have been interesting. Yeah, we didn't have that either. Oh, you didn't have home ec? I don't think so. I don't remember that. No, in fact, in fact, that was my big push. When I was in college, all I ever said was, when I met with all these other college kids, right? I had a real challenging high school years. I, I had to grow up much quicker than, than most. Mm-hmm. And so I had to learn things very quickly and in dire straits, so to speak. And so when I went to school, I just figured other people knew that stuff and nobody did just like you're talking about. And so I didn't know there was such a class that you're discussing because for me, everyone around me didn't have those type of life skills. They didn't have that, you know, their parents had always done everything for them, you know, and I'd come from, my father was 70 years old when I was in high school, right? And my mother was on her deathbed. And so as a child, we had to 
fend for ourselves. I mean, not in a bad way, but in a way like my dad's like, look, what do you want me to do? You know, you better learn how to cook if you want to eat. If not, you're going to, you know, heat up a, <laughs> heat up a, you know, made free dinner or whatever. But it was, you know, we had to learn those things. And so when I got to college, I just thought everyone knew those kind of things. Mm-hmm. People didn't know, you know, people didn't know how to balance money. They didn't know like, Oh, what do I do? What do I, Oh, how do I, it's like, Whoa, they didn't know what a 401k is. They didn't know what a, you know, investment was and stuff. So it was interesting. And yeah, it's kind of the same with training. They don't have a clue on what, what to do with their training business. They don't have a clue of what to expect when you hit a health club or when you hit even on your own, it's even crazier, right? Like you said. Yeah. Well, because so, Joe trainer sells a package of 20 gets yeah. a lump sum of money. And how long does that lump sum of money last? <laughs> Good it's answer. in one hand and out the other within several days. You and mean you, on their own, on their, on their own. own, on their okay. own. Right. Okay. And now, you know, the, the big box keeps the money and then gives yeah, you true, one true. little yes. piece right. each yeah. time you train, right? right? Yeah. It but almost teaches you how to budget, right? Because, yeah, because you get a paycheck. Get a paycheck, yeah. Right. But when you're on your own, we see so yeah. many coaches, they sell that bundle and they're like, yeah, and then the money goes in, it goes out. And then they're left sitting there going, holy crap, this client's only used for, pa- for their 20 package. And I've already yep. blown all the money that they gave me, you know, so uh, that's Great. to add that business mentoring to your, to your protocols or to your, uh, I think is a fabulous addition and, and much you. needed, much needed. Like I said, our whole thing is 10 years from now, we want everybody who's been through the training program to still be training. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and we want them to hit the ground running. Our goal is that when they finish the training program, they already have enough clients that would pay for the training program they just went through. Right. Wouldn't that be fantastic? At the end of the program, they already have paying clients that have basically paid for them to go through their mentoring. And that, that's our goal. That's our goal. It's a lofty one, but one that we hope that will help the industry. You know, hopefully we set a standard. Now everyone's going to start doing that because yeah, it is crazy how little, how little they knowledge they have about the training industry. Even if they know every single thing about science and this and that, and they can recite, anything they want they have no idea how to run a business and how to be that so there's enough 25 year olders out there telling you that they can take you to six figures which next time i (laughs) I see another one of those freaking ads uh bugger off dude you're 25 you haven't even freaking i've been in this industry almost as long as the kid's been alive and this kid telling me that they're going to take me to six figures i'm like whatever dude Uh, (laughs) give me the 40 45 year old that's been in the industry for 20 years and prospered that's the person I want to hear from. That was another question that came up is how many trainers do you think are actually making six figures? Uh, Neil, we've talked about this several times and, and I, I have a much more optimistic outlook than you do as far as figures wise, because I think it's much higher than you said. It's, um, it's really low. Yeah. Really low. I don't know. Like, so what's your, what's your, I mean, just opted out I'm of not 10, hold out of 10 but, trainers, one. So, I mean, you think 10% of the current trainers make over a hundred grand? 10%. Yeah. Maybe less than that. Yeah. See, I'd say. Yeah. And I, I thought it was more probably like a fifth or a quarter. I, really? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I would, I would even say like 5% make over a hundred grand. Yeah. Interesting. What do Interesting. you think? You know, that, that's the, that's the key, right? I mean, we've, you know, the average trainer makes what? $37,000 nationwide. Yeah. That's pretty low. Yeah. So it's 37. 
to go to a hundred thousand, it's pretty low. It's pretty so low. Yeah. To do thirty-seven, that means that's an average. So there's going to be some at sixty, but then there's going to be some at like ten. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't know. They didn't have the statistics on how no, many people. It's hard to find. Grand. It's hard to find. Yeah. And so I couldn't find that, but I would be really interested to see. And 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 hundred grand was just because of what you stated. If I see another one of those people saying, I'll get to six <laughs> figures, how many people are actually literally at six figures, right? right. So I don't know. You know, not only that, but if you're gonna get me to six figures and I still don't know how to manage my business, it doesn't matter. It's gonna be gone anyways. Yeah, just better toys. Yeah, which you're gonna blow out your ass anyways. And then most <laughs> and then the six figures that you do make. You're putting back into advertising because your ass can't hold on to that clientele. Yep. So it's just a vicious circle. Vicious circle. So for me, it's just teach people the business side, not just the science side, so they can get off that freaking hamster wheel. Yeah, I worked with a guy who um, uh, I didn't work with him, but I had the discussion with the guy, and he he said he was making forty k a month. Cool. Yeah, what? I said, no, no, no. So I said, okay, I, I, that's awesome, right? Forty k a month. I said, what are you, what are you netting? And he kind of like put his head down a little bit. I said, what? He says, well, you know, I'm just working on the gross right now. And I said, well, all right, buddy. <laughs> but when I finally saw his numbers, he was spending $39,000 a, a month in ads, in ad spend. Oh, geez. So he was making nothing. So he was making 40. So he was making $1,000 a month. I mean, think about it. And I was like, buddy, I, I, there's there's beginning trainers who make better than that, right? Yeah. Sure, you're bringing in 40. You just have all the headaches of 40, right? But you're spending 39 out the door. Yeah. And he wasn't spending 39 every month, but a couple months that I watched, 36, 38, 39. I mean, that's just, wow. You're making somebody else rich. Yeah, you're not making 40 grand, right? right. So it's just... Those are the kind of numbers that were pretty interesting and, and things that people don't think about. You know, you think you put the money into the, the Facebook wheel and all of a sudden it's going to magically, no, man, and it's stuff's expensive. You know, yeah. that, that ad spend gets real interesting really quickly. And so that, that guy, Frank Kern, have you ever heard of him? No. He's a marketing guy. But uh, he uses this thing called the miser method. Changed my whole life. Changed my whole marketing strategy. Changed everything. I mean, he's like, spend $2 a day. Let Facebook figure it out. Because if you spend $2 a day on ads, Facebook's going to try really hard to figure it out for you because they want you to keep making money. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you spend $2 a day. Within the first three days, you know if your ad's going to work or not. And then either up it if it's working or change it if it's not. Mm -hmm. And he shows you this whole system. And I was, I mean, I was so impressed. It's like, I want to teach everybody the miser method, right? Mm -hmm. Cause I'm going to tell you, I got burned really, really bad with advertising. Mm -hmm. You know, I spent 30, 40 K in a couple of months and it got almost zero in my return. I got mm -hmm. three people signing up in my return, mm -hmm. $30,000 no. three people. I'm like you guys are terrible. And then, when, like I said, when I did that Frank Kern course and I learned the miser method, now I'm like, oh my gosh, I got taken to the cleaners. And it, it, it's really that simple to learn your, how to do it, but use very little amounts. And, and those are things that people should know. It should be second nature. It should be, 
this is how you do it, right? This is how you determine. This is, you know, spend $10 and find out if you're good or not rather than spend 10,000. So, you know, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Because it's in a, it, because another, I mean, another way to look at it is you can be a great chef, but if you can't manage your restaurant, you're going to close in no time. Absolutely. I don't care how good the food is. If you're bleeding money and you don't know what the hell you're doing with it, on the back, on the back side, where behind the wall, where nobody looks, you're going to be gone in no time. You know, it's funny that you bring up the restaurant industry because they said that restaurant, restaurants, and gyms have the two mm-hmm. highest closing percentages. Oh, yeah. You know, of not making it. So and I think it's well, funny because thing. a lot of gym owners open up facilities and they say, "Oh, I'm going to get these trainers to come in and work for me." Ooh. It's an that's an unknown. And that's if you're going into your business, if that's your business plan, that's, that's a, a shitty plan. business. That's a that's a really tough business plan. That's a tough plan to execute on. I agree. Because you're depending on all these different people that frankly don't give a shit about whether your business succeeds or not. Nope. They'll yeah. they'll hop over to the next one and they'll yeah. and they'll they'll money shop you and see what the other ones offer. They'll do yeah, it's it's a tough, that's a tough. It's a tough model. It's a tough Tough model. model. So so being able to help people understand how are you going to run your business and and what's what's a good strategy for you? Because all strategies work for all sorts of different people. Sure. Right? It's not a bad strategy. It's bad implementation and and who it works for. Right? And some people succeed. Some people wildly succeed. Yeah. And others wildly fail. So, I mean. That's like, that's like my saying on some of the trainers, you know, some of the trainers I say, uh, your client got results despite how bad you trained them. <laughs> Not because of how well you trained them, it's despite how bad you trained them, how poorly you trained them. Well, I always like when you say when you when somebody brings up something and then you always just go, Hey, good luck with that. I, mean, I, I that always just cracked me like good luck with that. Because that's all sometimes that's all you can really say to somebody. Good and I mean that. it sincerely. Yeah, I yeah, wish yeah, yeah. all the luck in the world with that idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it, you know, I know it's a little backhanded, but I meant it. I really do. I wish you luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> what avenues can people find in CEP? Well, how can they go about getting into your course? Great. Well, I'll think it's uh, just ncepfitness.com. That's so that's best place to get us is ncepfitness.com. And, you know, we're starting to create uh, JVs with everybody. And, and, you know, you guys set the tone. You guys really set the tone. And once again, can't thank you enough. For those of you who don't understand, it's joint venture. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I love the idea how you guys contributed to our manual, right? You know, mm-hmm. we have that whole chapter and we're so blessed to have you there and people love it, but then they want to learn more. So the idea is to what? Joint venture. Go to Stick Modality mm-hmm. and find more, right? And, and join the next class. And so we're, we're doing joint ventures with a lot of people. I think I just shared with you, we signed a contract with Theragun. And we are the sole ex- exclusive provider for Theragun um, Foundations course. Oh, so inside nice. of our, thank you. Inside of our standard course, we teach how to use a Theragun and all the proper things. And then we even give a, a beautiful discount on if you wanted to go buy a gun afterward. Right. Those are the joint ventures we're looking into and that we've, you know, been so happy to get involved with. So we're doing one with TRX as well. Same idea. You know, we believe in TRX. So 
it's great to do a joint venture and someone that you believe so strongly with. Mm-hmm. We would teach stick mobility to people whether we had a joint venture or not. Mm-hmm. So the idea that we can help each other, I think, is fantastic. So those are the kind of joint ventures we're looking into. And um, I think it's going to really upgrade the course just that much more because it's going to touch them with different kings of the industry to show and once again, find their passion. That's our goal, ncpfitness.com. Fantastic, brother. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. It was uh, great. time flew by. Yeah, it was man. great to see you, man. It's been a while. Yeah, I, I said that. I, you know, I heard you on the phone a couple of times, but uh, to actually see you again, and it's great. One of these days, we actually have to get together again, go out to lunch and hang out. So I haven't, done that. I haven't seen you since the idea convention, right? That's the last time I actually yeah, hung out with you. That? Like well, six, ago, six, seven like, years. Six years, years ago. Five, Has it been that long? Yeah. yeah, it's been about five years. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I've seen you. In, I've seen you in the meantime. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's old hat. See, Neil, Neil <laughs> doesn't care. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't care. He doesn't stop care, by. Man. He doesn't love me. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't love me. Right? So, so anyway, yeah. Awesome, brother. Well, you take care and we'll have you on soon again. Well, and I uh, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're um, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And to all the listeners out there, thank you for listening as always. Uh, if you like, hit that subscribe button on the podcast. Hopefully you're enjoying the content that we're, uh, that we're making for you. So until next time, everybody out there, be good to each other. <laughs> <laughs>